Hey team, welcome to this edition of the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. This is a podcast where we sit down, talk with cool people doing cool things. These people are helping to inspire us to get out of our comfort zones through their stories and their ideas. They let us know that it's okay to be uncomfortable. And actually, we get so much from these times when we do get uncomfortable. It's Chris Desmond here. Um, And I'm recording this intro the day after the Hurricanes won the Super Rugby Final. So hopefully my voice isn't too bad today after all the cheering that I did last night. Today is episode 15 and I'm speaking with Angela McCamish about egg donation. Egg donation is an important topic to raise awareness of as it gives people who might otherwise not have had the chance to start a family the opportunity to do so. I was stoked to speak with Angela about it and frankly a little bit uncomfortable myself about this conversation but that really just shows that I had bought into the stigma around the topic. So today we speak with about Angela's story as a donor, why egg donation is important, the actual process of donating in New Zealand, and of course challenges Angela faced when she decided to become an egg donor. Thanks very much for educating me on this topic, Ange. And thanks to you guys for tuning in, sharing out, and reviewing this episode. Let the show begin. Welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. It's cool to sit down tonight and have a little bit of a chat with you. Thanks. So, Angela, can you give the listeners a, a bit of background about yourself um, and also about how you got into egg donation? Okay. Well, my name's Angela. I've been an egg donor twice now, and I'm about to do my third egg donation um, to a couple down in Dunedin. I got into egg donation after trying myself to have a family. I got pregnant in 2009. Um, Unfortunately, I had a miscarriage and at the time I thought it was the worst thing in the world. I was devastated and so was my husband. And we promised ourselves that if we were ever lucky enough to complete our family, that we would do our best to help someone else to have their own family. Um, So that's kind of how how I got into it, um, thinking that I could maybe help someone else out. Cool. So, and when did you when did you first start to get into egg donation? Well, how did how did the process go for you? Um, well, I first started thinking about it when I was pregnant with my second child. We knew that we only ever wanted to have two children. Um, And a a colleague of mine approached me saying that she needed an egg donor. Um, And it got me thinking about it. And I thought, hey, I could could offer to her to to be her egg donor. Um, But at the time, it it didn't work out. She ended up having to go overseas because I wasn't able to donate to her straight away being pregnant at the time. Um, But it did get me thinking that 
maybe I could donate to somebody else. Um, so I, I got looking into things and I found a lovely couple that had been trying to have a baby for three years. They met later in life and, and had just not ever been able to have a baby um, of their own with their own eggs. Um, and so I donated to them. Cool. And what does the donation process look like? Um, how does how does one go about sort of starting to from thinking about being a donor to, to actually doing it? Well, I guess the first choice that you've got as a donor is to work out whether you want to be an anonymous donor and have contact with the the person that you're going to donate to or whether you want to do a known donation, so donating to someone that you you know or that you, you're going to meet. So I think that's the first thing is to work out what you want. Um, so from my point of view, I wanted to do a known donation. I wanted to be able to have some sort of contact with any future children later in their life. So if you were wanting to to do an anonymous donation, you could approach a local fertility clinic If you were wanting to do a non-donation, the best thing is to to, um, go and register on the the website eggdonationaustralia.com.au, which will be soon rebranded to edanz.org, which is Egg Donation Australia and New Zealand. And from there, you can find a whole lot more information, but you can also find recipients that are looking for donors. And there's a whole lot of ads on there, and you can have a look and find out who the right the right person is for you to donate to. Why was it important for you to be a known donor? What, what led you to that decision? Um, well, the main thing was for my own children. I wanted them to know who their genetic half-siblings were that were out there. I guess my biggest fear was that later in life they would meet up at a party and just not know that the person they're sitting next to is their half-sibling, and that was kind of a bit scary for me. So I I will only ever do known donations because I just want them to know um, who those genetic half-siblings are that are out there. And I also think it's important for the the donor children to know where they genetically where they genetically have come from. Yeah, I, I see your uh, see your reasons for that, and I think that's probably a challenge that a lot of people uh, would would think about when if looking to donate as well. Is hey, if I if I donate then. Will I just be looking out for for kids that I think l- might look like look like me, and just n- that that not knowing I think yeah. might be uh, difficult for some people. Yeah, and that's why I think a lot of people these days recommend um, non donations as opposed to anonymous donations. But yeah, I guess it's it's everybody's choice as to what's going to work for them. Definitely, Angela, you mentioned that you've you've donated twice so far. Yeah. Uh, and and you're you're planning on donating well you're you're in the process of, of donating again at the moment, is that right? Yep, I am. I'm about to start my cycle in the next couple of days. Can you explain to us a little bit about kind of the, the physical procedure with it? Because I'm sure that there are are people out there 
that if they are thinking about donating, they think, what does it involve? Yeah. Does it hurt? What's going to go on with me? Yeah. So I guess every every cycle will be a little bit different, um, but the the basics are that at the beginning of the process you have a screening blood test that that just checks for any um, any diseases or anything like that that you may pass on. Um, you also have a, a baseline scan, and you have a set of counselling, some individual counselling with yourself and your partner if you have one, and then joint counselling, which is between yourself, your partner, and the couple or, or person that you're donating to, um, just just to make sure that everybody's on the same page with what they're expecting from the donation. From there, when the cycle starts, oh, sorry, you also have an um, appointment with a fertility specialist and the fertility nurse that explain the, the process to you. Um, from there, when the cycle starts, you get your period and then, at least for me, the process is on day two, you would start an injection to stimulate your ovaries. Um, and then on day five, you start a second injection. So that's an injection that goes into your stomach. It's a, a very fine needle and it's it's just a pinprick. It's, it's really not um, anything major. Around about day, ooh, for me, it's about day 13 or 14, you have a trigger injection, which triggers the eggs to mature. Um, that happens 36 hours before the egg pickup. Um, so on day, roughly about day 14-ish for me, um, I would go into theatre and then they put you to sleep or they sedate you. Um, and they go in via your vagina, kind of like a, a smear, with a, a camera and a needle, and they kind of suck the eggs out from your ovaries. You're completely sedated and you've got pain relief, so you don't feel anything at the time. And then you wake up afterwards and you might feel maybe a little bit crampy, a little bit sore. Um, but other than that, it's for me at least, it was not a, a major pain. Um, just more discomfort after the procedure. And then for the next day or two, I felt a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit a little bit tender. And then following that, back to normal. Cool. And for such an important thing, it sounds like it's a, a relatively uh, straightforward procedure with yeah. kind of minimal pain. At least for me, that's... That's the experience that I've had a couple of weeks of mild discomfort for what for somebody else is going to really change their lives if it works. So I thought yeah. that the, the benefits outweighed the risks. There are some risks involved. Um, some people very rarely get ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, um, and that can be quite a risky a risky thing to happen. But the the risk is very, very low, and there's risks in any procedure. And it's, it's one of those things that you just have to, to weigh up the, the cost and the benefit. Mm, and it sounds like with those risks that you screened pretty well beforehand. Um, you monitored. And you monitored during as well. Yeah, you monitored very closely during the cycle. Um, you do go for a, for a number of scans um, during the cycle and blood tests to 
to measure how your hormones are progressing and how how the um, eggs are growing in the follicles. So, Angela, when you first decided to to get out there and get into to donation, yeah, was there a lot of support around for you? You mentioned that you you kind of went through went through a website. Did you have much um, yeah, much physical support as well? I had support from my husband and from my family, but other than that, at the time, I didn't know anybody that had donated eggs, and I didn't know anybody other than my one colleague who had received eggs. So there really wasn't a big community out there at the time. Um, That was nearly two years ago now. Currently, there's a large Facebook group for egg donation in New Zealand, and it's a really supportive community where um, recipients and donors can can just chat and have support. Because it it is quite isolating when you don't know anybody else that's that's going through the same process definitely and I think I mean obviously it's not a topic I that I know huge amounts about but it doesn't seem to be very widely talked about at all and that's a real shame because there is such a shortage of donors at the moment in New Zealand and worldwide that a lot of recipients are having to go overseas to find a donor or they're having to wait a huge amount of time to find a donor. So there's a lot of people out there that that they're just not able to complete their family or start their family because they need an egg donor. Why do you think it is that we don't talk much about it, Angela? Do you have any theories on that? I think that infertility is... In general, it's just a, a topic that's not that's not really talked about. I think a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about infertility. I know that when I had my miscarriages, I felt like I was a failure as a woman because I couldn't have a baby. And I just imagine how much worse that must be if you know, it went on for years and years and you tried everything and it still hadn't worked. It would be a very lonely experience, I think, because we don't talk about it. I think a lot of people get asked the question, you know, when are you having kids? Why aren't you having kids? And I think that, yeah, maybe we need to start opening up the conversation about infertility yeah, I think so, and it, I mean, it sounds like there's a bit of stigma around that—that that it's kind of a yeah, almost a blame that if you're if yourself or if you're if your husband, if one of you is infertile, then then that say you're you're less of a woman or less of a man because yeah. of that, and and obviously that's not right, yeah. that's not the case at all. So uh, yeah, I think it is a. I think it's a valuable conversation to be having, and I think it's really good that we're we're sitting down and having a bit of a chat about it uh, tonight. Anyway. Yeah. So I just wanted to mention as well that some of the types of people, or some of the some of the reasons that people may need an egg donor, because it's not it's not always the the people that you might think need an egg donor. So. I think there's a lot of a lot of women out there that 
we're, we're having babies later in life and the the older you get statistically your ovarian reserve diminishes so if you're an older woman you may need an egg donor um People may need an egg donor after cancer or chemotherapy. Some women have premature ovarian failure. Some people have um, secondary infertility. They've had a baby of their own, but for some reason they can't have a second one for some unknown reason. And then there's just a whole lot of unknown um, factors. People sometimes, they don't know why they can't produce good quality eggs. Um, and then, of course, there's gay couples. They're not able to produce their own eggs, so they may need an egg donor with a surrogate. Mm, lots of lots of different reasons. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure there's other reasons as well, but they're just some of the more the more common ones that I can think of. And can we have a bit of a chat about maybe some of the challenges that you faced um, kind of going through this process? So when you first decided that, yeah, I want to be an egg donor, I want to help other families to, or other potential families to, to expand and create their family. And when you started telling people, did the majority of people understand what you wanted to do or did you get a bit of pushback from that? Yeah, I think I think most people's reaction was why. Why would you want to do that? Especially once they found out that it's an altruistic donation. You don't get paid for donating in New Zealand or Australia. All your medical expenses are covered and anything related to the donation. So, for example, um, travel costs or parking and any medical related expenses. But most people's reaction was just, why, why would you do it if there's, there's no benefit in it for you? But I think what what people don't sometimes seem to realise is that sometimes there doesn't need to be a benefit for you and the benefit is just creating joy and hope for somebody else and for what what is only mild discomfort for me it really is going to create the biggest joy for someone else if it's successful yeah and I think that probably gives you some warm fuzzies as well about it that you have been able to be part of that process and and really give back to someone else. Yeah. I think one of the other challenges that I found personally with the, the donation process was that um, during all the testing, one of my, my blood tests and genetic tests came back um, saying that I was a carrier for cystic fibrosis and that was not something that I was aware of at the time. Um, and it really, I, I found that to be quite upsetting and alarming because I didn't, I wasn't expecting it. Um, and and for me, it, it had implications for my children. They were potentially had a 50% chance of being a carrier as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a bit of a... Um, uncomfortable thing to find out definitely and obviously that has implications for the couples that you can donate to as well yeah so I I myself can't donate to anyone who the father or the sperm donor is a carrier of cystic fibrosis simply because the the risk of having a child with 
cystic fibrosis would be too high. It, it does make me wonder, though, with, with my husband, Michael, if he if he's a carrier himself and that we've just got lucky with our two children that, they, that they've missed having cystic fibrosis. Like, it's one of those things that you just, you never know. Yeah, it's it's like playing roulette a little bit, and I'm sure that there are a lot of a lot of couples out there that are carriers of some type of um, genetic condition yeah. that that do just get lucky. Yeah, and with with the process, they do screen you for a lot of um, a lot of genetic conditions, and they take a very thorough medical history of yourself and your family members as well. And that's all given to the, the intended parents as well. So the, any children born do know their um, genetic history, medical history. Another question that I'm sure a lot of couples out there had is how did your husband respond when you wanted to, when you have gone through this process? Was he fully supportive and he kind of understand understanded what you wanted to uh, to achieve I think he knows not to get in the way of what I want to achieve. <laughs> <laughs> he know he knows better um but no he was he's been very supportive he has to have a blood test himself every time I, I do a donation and he has to attend the counseling as well so there there is a commitment from him there but I guess his biggest worry is is for me and how it will affect my health. He wants to always know that there's no undue risks to me. Um, he also is quite concerned for our children just because it is their genetic half-siblings, any any babies created from those eggs. So, yeah, I think he he needs to be part of it and he wants to be part of it as well. He also needs to be... Um, ready for when I'm full of hormones and can be a bit um, emotional. So <laughs> That's it's, potentially it's, the most challenging. Yeah, so it's, it's good to have his support. Cool. And he he feels reasonably comfortable now with the, the half-siblings that are going to be uh, yeah. wandering around as well? Yeah, I think he's he, he knows who I've donated to and, and yeah, He's very comfortable with the the process. Have you started talking to your current children about it? I have. I've talked to Xavier, my oldest son, who's three, and I've explained to him that he's half mummy and half daddy, and the little baby that we met, she's half mummy and half her daddy, but she came from her mummy's tummy. And I I think he seems to understand that. At the moment, he's he's a little bit little to go into all the, the genetics of it, but I want to bring both of my children up just never never remembering being told about it. It's just something that they've always kind of known. And I, I think it's really important to have those sorts of important conversations very early on. Yeah, and I think it's probably an important conversation to keep having with them as well because I'm sure their understanding will grow um, and they'll have new questions as it as it uh, as they get older and and develop yeah and as they understand more of the the science and the biology behind things 
So, Andrew, I'm going to change tack a little bit here. Okay. You mentioned that uh, the community in New Zealand is, is growing um, for people that are that are egg donors, and it sounds like there's still by no means enough of them. Yeah. Um, what's what's the best way for people if they want to find uh, information and support about egg donation? Where can they where can they go? The best place to go would either be to the Facebook page Egg Donation New Zealand and join there. If you're not a Facebook person, you can join the web forum, sign up for that, and that's eggdonationaustralia.com.au. I know it sounds like it's just for Australians, but it's undergoing a rebranding at the moment to become EDA NZ, which will be eggdonationaustraliaandnewzealand.org. So at the moment, eggdonationaustralia.com is a great source for finding support, for finding resources, information, and for finding the recipients if you do want to donate. There's plenty of ads up there that you can have a look at and, and maybe you might find that couple that you want to help or that per- that person. Speaking of the recipients, you've, being a known donor, you've obviously met with the, with the three couples yeah. who you have donated to. Um, was it pretty obvious that you clicked with them straight away? Yeah, I think... In a way, um, donating to somebody is a little bit like dating. You really have to get to know them, get to know their values and what's important to them, and you really have to click. Um, there's some quite um, intrusive information that you have to share with them and they have to share with you, and you've really got to have a good level of communication. It's also a relationship that your hope is going to stick around for a number of years and and I, I think it's you really have to find the right the right people. You need to want the same thing going forwards. Have you met up with uh, with any couples that you didn't click with? I have actually. Um, I met with a couple that I had been emailing and, and talking on the phone with and I thought, oh, maybe I do want to offer to this couple. They seem really lovely. But when we met in person, we just we just didn't click. It just didn't seem to work. And so I, I didn't ever offer to them. I, I just said, look, I'm not the right person to donate to you. And, and as far as I'm aware, that they, they have actually found a donor and, and moved forward. Cool. And I think it, by the sounds of it, especially for those known donations, it sounds like that that mutual fit is, is really important for uh, for all parties. Yeah, I mean, you're putting your, your body at, at risk for them. So you've, you've got to really click with them and, and they've got to really click with you as well. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a, a Tinder for egg donation is no, uh, is probably the best way to do it. Quite right. No, not quite. <laughs> I'd probably like to talk a little bit about the um, first time that I met my donor baby, because I think cool, yeah. I think a lot of potential donors that I guess it's the thing that worries them most is how they would feel when they meet that that genetic donor baby. 
I was quite scared about how I would feel. I was worried that I would hold the donor baby and just feel this bond and not want to let them go. Um, But when I met her, she was beautiful. She looked just like my boys. Um, She had the same beautiful blue eyes and, and the same hair, but she she didn't smell like my babies. My babies, they, they smelled like, I don't know, like my babies, whereas she, she didn't have that smell. And when, when she smiled, it wasn't my smile or my husband's smile. It was her mum's smile. And when okay. she cried, I had no idea what she wanted. I didn't know if she wanted to be fed or changed or put down or picked up or, or anything, whereas when my babies cried, I... I know what they want. Yeah, and so it was it was kind of like meeting a relative's child for the first time whereas you're you're close and you it's you you do feel something towards them but it's it's like you can cuddle them and hand them back. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like you're you don't well at least for me I I didn't feel any bond towards the child and and that was really reassuring for me um going forwards from my first donation to my second donation is that I I knew how I was going to feel but talking to other donors now I um most of them feel exactly the same they they found the baby beautiful and and cute but it, it didn't feel like their baby at all and that must be quite a relief as well because I'm sure it's it's obviously a tense situation for you, but probably also a tense situation for for Michael and for the for the other couple as well. Yeah, yeah. I guess everyone, you don't know how to feel when you haven't been in that sort of situation. And I think that's probably quite reassuring for a lot of people that are thinking about donating. Actually, is that the the majority of people that you've you've talked to have had that experience that it's yeah. potentially like a a niece or a nephew that you're that you're meeting for the first time. Yeah. Exactly. Like a, a really special baby but not your baby. So Ange again, I want to change tack a little bit with you and I'm <laughs> going to ask you the the questions that I ask everybody okay. that uh, comes on the show. So can you tell me about a time that you've failed and and what you learned from it? Hmm, time that I failed. I guess what I learned, I a time I failed was when I, I did a blood test recently and it came back as saying my AMH was less than 1.1. So that's a, a hormone that tells you what your ovarian reserve is. And it basically said that I didn't have any eggs left. And... I felt like a failure, like my body was letting me down. Um, I pushed really hard to get that that AMH level retested and it came back really high. And, and I learned from that to trust your body, trust what it's telling you. Um, and from, mm. Because if I did have an AMH of less than 1.1, I wouldn't have been able to donate again and I would have been essentially infertile. Um, but I I knew that that was not necessarily the case and 
That's okay. That must have been an interesting experience for you as well. And kind of... Put me in the shoes of of what the recipients feel like to get these results that you're not expecting that can be devastating. Um, But for me, it wasn't devastating necessarily for myself. I had completed my family. I was devastated because I, I wasn't able to... Well, at the time, I thought I wasn't able to help out another couple. Um, but luckily, everything tested okay the second time round. Cool, that's good and great for the the third family that you're about to donate to as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. And can you tell me about the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how you got through it? Well, the last uncomfortable thing I did would probably be that that last donation that I did, but not probably for the reason that you're thinking. Um, I had a flight over to Brisbane and I had to take my two toddlers on my own and it was the worst experience of my life. (laughs) They screamed the entire flight and fought with each other and threw food and were just generally annoying and awful. And I was that woman on the plane with the the awful children. Um, I got through it by focusing on how long left I had of the flight and taking deep breaths and blocking out all the people around me that were probably saying, look at that awful mother with her screaming children and just just <laughs> focusing on there's only an hour to go. Awesome. That's that's great advice for uh, for. Parents that are travelling again soon. My advice is do not fly with toddlers. It's not <laughs> fun for anybody. Angela, what's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to be doing? The next uncomfortable thing I will be doing will be starting my third donation cycle. So that will probably be in five days' time when I have that first injection. Um, but as I said, it's only a small prick in the tummy once a day, and then it, it ups to to two pricks after that but it's it's really a a very thin needle cool and uh this podcast is hopefully going to come out next week as well so you will have uh you'll be right when i'm starting you'll just be you'll just be starting so i can uh, i'll pop a a little bit of an update uh, on how things are going uh in the outro to the episode excellent so if everyone can that's listening can cross their fingers and just hope that it all goes well for this third couple they will be delighted to be pregnant if, if it all works out well. They've been trying for eight years, so it's a, it will be a very, very wanted baby when it, it eventually gets there. Awesome. That's that's really, really cool. So, Angela, I've got one more question for you. Okay. Um, but before we before we sign off, I, I want to just thank you for, for coming on and having a chat with me today about a topic that I didn't particularly know very much about and, and educating me about its importance um, and kind of a, a, a bit about the process and also a little bit about um, kind of some of the psychological stuff behind it as well um, because it's quite a it's quite a complicated topic and I think, mm. well, especially from, from my point of view, um, in, in New Zealand, it seems to have still a, a bit of stigma around it. So I think the stuff that you're doing in terms of getting out there and having these, having this conversation and 
and actually putting it on people's radar and starting to to educate them i think it it's really really important and you're you're getting out there and helping not just these families that you're donating to by doing this but also a whole lot of the other families that are potentially going to uh receive donations because of your uh because of your proactivity about reducing the stigma and, and talking about this. Yeah, I just want to make sure that every every couple or person that's, that's looking for an egg donor can find the egg donor. I think there really is the right, the right donor out there for every couple that's looking. And in New Zealand, you can donate up to five times or up to a maximum of 10 donor children, whichever comes first. So... You can donate more than once if you do want to. Um, so it's not like you're going to have a million kids out there. There is a limited number. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's something for people to have a think about. And and maybe now might not be the right time for those people that are listening to donate. But if, if we plant the seed now, maybe in a couple of years' time, you know, it might be the right thing for them to do. And who knows, some of the people that are listening might one day need an egg donor. So, yeah, it's, it's just getting the word out there, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, Ange, before we sign off, do you have any advice or any life le- lessons or any interesting facts to leave myself and the listeners with? My goal for this year, my New Year's Eve resolution, was just to be more passionate about stuff that I care about. And I think that that's that's a really good way to live your life, just to be more passionate. And so I think maybe thinking about donation for some people might be a great thing to do. And it might not necessarily be egg donation, but it could be um, sperm donation or embryo donation. If you've undergone IVF in the past, you might have embryos left over. Or possibly even being a surrogate might be the right thing. For you but it's just yeah I mean you need to do what's right for you and egg donation is, is not going to be the right thing for everybody but I'd like to think more people out there might might consider it and might want to to give some recipients out there the the ultimate gift of, of hope and the potential ability to have a family cool and I think that's great advice to finish up on there as long as people do it passionately yeah. Thanks very much for your time tonight, Ange. It's been great to, to sit down and have this conversation with you. That's all right.